Are you interested in promoting or increasing the attendance of your truck and tractor pull event? My name is Jason Schultz, owner of the Beer Money Pulling Team, which has over 1.3 million followers across Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Our goal is to grow the sport of truck and tractor pulling and increase the awareness of the sport through our social media presence and highly engaged audience. We want to partner with you and help you grow the attendance of your events. We have a ton of promotional opportunities available and a full-time social media coordinator to make sure your investment is taken care of. For more information on promotional opportunities, give me a call, 608-604-5068. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Let's Grow Pulling Live. Um, we were supposed to have Gary Collins joining us tonight, but uh, he's got some technical difficulties. Doug is behind the scenes trying to help him sort that out. So uh, we'll kind of fill some time here. Um, hopefully we can have him on. Um, chatted with Doug prior to the show. And in addition to uh, Gary's interesting life and what he did in the sport, particularly in the 1980s, um, we'll get a little behind the scenes look at uh, sort of the downfall of tractor pulling on the big arena circuit and how we got replaced with monster trucks. If he can join us, I, I really want to hear that story from him. Um, in the meantime, though, uh, fresh off the rumor mill, as in like four minutes ago, um, hearing rumors that uh, there's going to be some new mini rod rules coming uh, to do with roll cages. So see what direction that takes. It's uh, I think as we head into next week, one of the biggest weeks in the sport with the farm machinery show, there is just going to be announcements flying everywhere um, on all fronts, including our own. Uh, hopefully we'll have everything ready to tell you about who's going to be at the Polish championship come May. Um, we know who the top vocators are. I should say Brent knows. Um, but uh, as we did after the first round, we're going to just make sure that uh, the top vocators are going to commit and, and actually uh, join us before we start releasing the names. So look for that. Cody, Ryan, what's new in your world? Not a whole lot. Getting ready for Louisville next week and – getting caught up on everything that I'm behind on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you only ever get back to zero. You never get ahead. Yeah. I feel like I haven't got back to zero yet. So it's <laughs> still working on that one. Me on the other hand, I'm falling further and further behind. Nature yeah. of the beast. Yeah. Sometimes you just raise your hands and say, I give up. Yep. Yeah. So one idea that we did talk about uh, briefly beforehand before getting into this about something we could at least spend a little bit of time on, and I think it's certainly worthwhile, and uh, the question came up um, yesterday, um, kind of asking the, the general framework of this, the gist of this is, is, is that there's what's there's one thing about your club or, or local association that if, if you could change it for the better, what would it be? And for once, I feel like there's actually some healthy conversation emerging out of that. And what I also find interesting is that um, much of the commentary is the same things we all universally cannot stand because it seems to be just a common problem everywhere. Um, things like starting on time, things like enforcing the rules you already do have, stuff like that. I don't know. I probably sit a little closer to the fire maybe than you two because I, I've done a turn on a board with a 
pulling association and I kind of know the other side of that too. Um, it's hard to get all the, all the, the, the ducks in the, in a row, so to speak. That's always a challenge. Um, anytime an enterprise such as this, you show up at an event, it takes, we talk about behind the scenes, how much work it takes from staffing, but it's more than that. I mean, the pullers have to participate in the process as well. You're looking at trying to get a couple hundred people on a given some nights to all do the same thing in an orderly way. I don't know, guys. Whatever you guys feel out there in the in the comments, you know, jump in there and, and share a few as well. Yeah, Shane, time between hooks. There's there's one that has not been said in this discussion already, but it is a big one. Um, having a crew that's efficient and on the ball at doing their job, um, putting a track back together, it helps uh, when you got a two track format because there's always something else to watch on the other side, but. Um, yeah, that the track crew can break a show real fast. Mm -hmm. For for me, it, I mean, I agree with Shane. It's it's track crew. Uh, something else that I thought about a lot was, I mean, coming from the photographer side, the lighting. You know, the yeah. lighting can be really good in spots and really bad in other spots. And as a spectator, if you're you get there, you know, late or whatever, and all you get is a dark hole or Say they have track lighting on one side, not even on the other side. I mean, there are shows I go to that are that way, and it makes it really hard to when you're on that side. And those are the spots that they sell spots for for the one one place. I mean, it's really hard to see names of vehicles of anything going down the track. Uh, and that's that's one thing for me that I mean, from a photographer side, the consistent good lighting all the way through. But yeah, I mean, you get you get a slow a slow night, whether it be track crew, whether it be guys not wanting to get to the line to get over the scales. I mean, you can have a, a bunch of stuff, but keeping their show moving because no one wants to sit through a long show when it's, you know, slow uh, for any given reason. So right, those are right. probably my two big thing that, uh, yeah, exactly, Adam. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, benefit to that stuff. I mean, there's local clubs that will, you know, involved in stuff to help donate for stuff like that because they use it for other stuff. You know, there's a bunch of stuff out there that you guys can do to get better lighting. Um, even if something as simple as I'm going to start replacing, you know, half the lights at one point, you know, talk to the local electricians, see if they're willing to help donate their time at least to do some of that stuff. I mean, there's, right. there's lots of different avenues you can go in, and go towards that. But those are those are my two big things, I guess, if, if Reno Shane and then the lighting would be my two big things. I, even as a driver, I mean, I wouldn't want to be taking a sled up to 30 miles an hour in the dark. Right. Nope. Um, yeah. And, 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 and the, to go off of that, I mean, you got to make sure you got light at the end too. Yeah. You get, you get a dark hole at the end and you don't know if you're coming. I mean, a lot of those visors type of thing, they, you're supposed to have your visor down. If there are tinted visors or dark visors, like yep. you can't see period. And you get to the end of the track where it's dark and you don't know whether you got five foot left or you got 30 foot left and either one can make you come off, uh, come off the throttle and want to stop. And so that's the big thing for, for everybody. Like you said. Yeah, I agree. Um, people are mentioning speaker systems and, and the sound system and distance boards. Um, yeah, for sure. Those are, those enhance the, the experience of, of being there. Um, 
especially if you don't necessarily know all the drivers or whatever, you know, that announcer is your, your key to, to know, uh, know who a certain guy is that you're watching. I think the, the sound system is important back in the pit area for, for the reason Doug mentioned, and, and that is just keeping everybody on the same page um, as far as how the show's progressing and, and where we're at and what we're doing. You know, there, there's great things we can do with these, these group chats and whatnot on, on smartphones we have today. They didn't exist a long time ago. It, it's, a, it's a good tool that I see particularly getting used very, very effectively um, on the drag racing side. But not everybody has that, for one. Um, there's people who just, believe it or not, in this world, there's people who just don't do Facebook and aren't in Messenger. Those people exist. Um, and some days I wish I was one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But no one ever talks about how, you know, as the announcer, really, you kind of are, in a sense, a show director and the, in the, the guys in the pit area are going to respond to what you're saying and when you're saying it. Um, and you do have a responsibility there as well to kind of prep them, you know, kind of let them know, hey, we got four guys left in this class. If you're in the next one, you probably want to be up and ready. Um, I saw another one in here. About, uh, yeah, Brad, having the next pulled ready to go is a killer. It's, depending on the show, I see I see certain sanctioning bodies where there is an official back there telling guys not to start. And, frankly, it makes my skin crawl because <laughs> it is slowing the show down big time. Um, there's some groups I run with back here in Michigan, at least, where we aren't waiting for anybody. You know, that next guy knows when they're up and they're, when the sled comes back, they're ready to drive out there. Um, I think that's how it should be really. Yes. And I know some places will go, you know, Chapel Hill, they've got staffing at that level to go find you and, and get you out there. Hillsboro is another good one for that. Yep. Don runs a pretty tight ship there. Yes. Yes, he does. They will come and get you and stack you where they want you. But there again, it also comes to, um, you know, it also comes to, it comes down to um, having staff to do it and the right staff to do it. Because if you've got somebody, you know, when, okay, so case in point, uh, since he just joined, um, thinking back a little bit when for our to our last tpc uh meeting doug did we not declare that you're the official hard ass for the track crew i believe so but i have to clarify that with paul because we had that discussion this weekend again so charles can we call him and get him in on at least on audio probably we got through that situation, but it's just not loading. Right. Okay. Um, hmm. I mean, short of me just having him on my on on a cell phone and just hold it up to the laptop so that it picks up his audio. I don't know how good that's going to be, but out of out of curiosity, can you do a zoom and share share your screen? Would that work? Yeah, I haven't used Zoom since COVID though. Two years ago. <laughs> Well, it's gonna. It's probably gonna give you a thirty-minute timeout, though. The only kicker. Yeah. Thirty Man. or forty-five. Something like that. Yes. 
Yeah, well, shoot. Wish I Cody, do you have a pro account or no? No, I don't. Not anymore? I don't either. Yeah, and we if use... I, if I could figure out how to get teams to work on my computer, I'd do that, but... That's what we use to work as teams, but... It doesn't It doesn't play well with MacBooks. No, and for me, like, it's inside my work. Whatever. That's not... It's not going to work. Long story short, no one wants to listen to us talking about that. Um, Too much inside baseball. Yeah. Right. I mean, could we call them? Yeah. Long story short, yes, we could. I wish I would have known an hour ago. I might have been able to right. call something together through my mixer board here and have it be better, but I'm not going to try to do that now. Yeah. I'll I'll send you his number because I don't have my laptop out. I just got Okay, one. yep. Chuck, you're exactly right. Staffing at smaller polls is a huge issue. And most of the time it's volunteer for a lot of this stuff. Anyhow, they're not paid organizations that are doing this. So that's the, the big kicker is, I mean, kind of be be blessed to have the help that they've got because they're, there's what putting the show on a lot of times too, because they're not, they're not paid help to do that. So they're volunteering their time and their effort to go put on a show for all the spectators. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I don't think it's, I, I, I guess this is me kind of just armchair quarterback in this thing, but I don't think it's out of line for a club to put some requirements on the membership to give back a little bit. I mean, I, I know I'm going to catch hell for that, and somebody's going to say, well, I already pay enough money as it is. Well, you know, this is the sport that you're passionate about. Right. Put a little yeah. love into it. Yeah, exactly. Give back. Right. We all do. Yep, very true. Very, very true. Sorry, I'm I'm looking at like multiple things here. All right. I'm gonna <laughs> let me call him. You guys yeah. talk for a minute. At any rate, with uh I guess to put kind of a final point on that, the uh, <laughs> uh Nick Beetle asked the question. Um and uh, I think he asked it in a couple of different places because I think I saw it on pull-off too. Um, <clears throat> but uh, if you're uh, out and about and you want to get involved in that conversation, um, your opinion would be, uh, you know, we'd love to hear it. Um, this is not one of those things that we sponsored. We didn't put Nick up to it. Nick's, Nick is a board member on, on a pulling association here in Iowa. And he is trying to make things better. He is trying to improve, and he wants he wants that constructive, you know, feedback and criticism. Um, so hop into the beer money group. I did pin it to the top, or feature it. Um, so you should you shouldn't have a hard time finding the uh, finding the post. I think it's got I don't know eighteen twenty comments on it now, um, but everybody's got an opinion. Um, share yours, please. Do it constructively. Don't just use it as a springboard to badmouth your board members. Um, but there are problems. You know, I mean, this sport isn't perfect, and no sport is. Um, motorsports all kind of suffer some of the same problems. Um, and, uh, you know, if we're going to figure it out, it may start with us. It may need to start with uh, the membership. Charles, you're on mute. 
Yeah, there I know. I'm talking. I was talking to Gary, not you. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I got him on speakerphone. I don't know how well it's going to work, but we'll try. I'm game. I can hear him. He can hear us. Gary, can you hear them on the speaker? Well, not yet. I haven't heard anyone. When do you guys say something? Mic check. One, two, one, two. I can hear one, two, one, two. All right. I'll turn you guys up a little bit. There. Well, thank you for uh, persevering with us and, and trying to get on. I certainly appreciate uh, you taking time out of your evening tonight to, to join us. Um, and you certainly had a pretty interesting career, I would say, in, in the sport of pulling because the majority of what you did was strictly as an exhibition to put on the show. Some of the things that we were we spent the last few minutes just talking about. Yeah, I had 45 years of in, being involved in truck and tractor pulling. And it was a good part of my life. You uh, you had more than just the 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 boss. You had several competition vehicles. But before we get into those and, and kind of kind of what it was like, take us back to the beginning. Um, how'd you get started in in the sport? Well, back in 1974, when I first started, uh, I'm 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 a farmer by trade. And we had a young farmers organization in my local town of Elgrave Springs, Missouri. And uh, we had a meeting one night, and this gentleman came in and said, "You, you guys need to put a truck pull on to make some money for your for your club." Because we knew what tractor pulling was, and everyone, all the guys had pickups, and they always thought they were the hottest thing on the road, which we found out they weren't. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so we organized our first pool in, uh, I think it was like July of um, 1974. And anyway, that was, I didn't do very well the first time, but I sure learned a lot by watching other people as I did throughout my learning years. Uh, I had a three quarter ton Chevy pickup, well, that was pretty hot, but that sled uh, told me that it wasn't as hot as I thought it was. Sleds have a way of doing that, don't they? Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> but you just ask me what you want, or I, I can I can talk for hours about what my early experience was, and, and with my boss too. Yeah, and this, I mean, you're you're the guest. This is your show, man. Anything you want to share with us about about those times? Absolutely, we want to hear it. Yeah, we're willing to listen. Okay. Well, back uh, back when I had the first pull, and I think. There were about 20 trucks in my in my class, and at that time, the rules were, let's see, run what you brung and hope you brought enough. <laughs> no rules per se, but you know the three quarter tons, half tons, everything else they all pulled together, four speeds and automatics, and uh, so uh, anyway, right shortly after that, I went, I had to. My brother-in-law at that time had a race, a race car motor, a 427 Chevy that he had built up. So I thought, man, this is a thing to do so I have more power. So I uh, I put that motor in my pickup. And my, my truck was an automatic. And I was, I learned uh, <laughs> by doing, I went to the Ozark Empire Fair in Springfield, Missouri, and fell on my face because the motor was made to wind up. It wasn't made for low-end torque. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I went back to my 350 Chevy that I had before, and uh, uh, went, I went to all the local pools around the area, brought out, you know, 150 miles or something like that. Everyone said uh, Collins would go 100 miles for $20 and a trophy. And that's about what I did. But it was a fun time doing it. And uh, so, anyway, uh, uh, I did that for, I said, that was 74. In 1979, I jumped up to another class. I should have said I was pulling in what we call the stock class back in the early days. But in 1979, I something about power that I always liked. And uh, so I jumped up to the modified class, which, uh, you know, you could uh, put any motor at that time. You can put any motor you wanted to in, in your truck and pull with it in that class. And, uh, yeah, let me back up one more time. Uh, back in 1975, a friend of mine, J.C. Schumeyer, from Monroe City, Missouri, he started going around to all the local pools and getting names of pullers so we could get together and organize a, a Tri-State Truck Pullers Association and lay down some rules. So the fall of 75, uh, 300 people went to Monroe City, Missouri at the high school and we sat there for three days and hashed out rules which was a hair pulling experience because everyone said, well, I can't run that way. I got to run this way. But we all ended up doing it. We're happy with it. And we used those rules to police everything we had because uh, any, any kind of sport, there's always some cheaters in there somewhere. So we had to, uh, had to kind of overcome that so everyone would kind of be equal in their own class. So anyway, I pulled that, that class, which was a stock automatic class from uh, basically uh, 75 to 79 and uh, went like many, many places. I got a basement full of trophies and $20 bills stuck to them. But uh, in 79, I decided I was going to jump up to the modified class. And uh, I've always been a Chevy man, but I had some tractor pulling friends that ran Hemi motors and I'd never been around them before. And he told me, one of my buddies told me, you need to put a uh, 426 Hemi in your truck instead of using a Chevy because, you know, they, they thought they were more powerful. So I had a Chevy pickup and I had the Hemi motor in it. And the first time, you know, after I got everything set up with the gear ratio and the transmissions and everything else, uh, and I pulled a little town of Rich Hill, Missouri, north of me a little ways, and it gave me quite a buzz. And I had I'd never been that behind that kind of power pulling a sled before. So uh, I started doing the same thing that I did before, but instead of pulling in the stock class, I was pulling in the modified class. And with tri-state tri truck pullers at that time. We set up, uh, say, if, if you wanted to sanction a pool and use our rules, you had to pay what we did. And that first place was $125 on down to $10, which wasn't much. But at that time, we were too excited about the money. We just wanted the sport to grow. 
So uh, I pulled at the Missouri State Fair in August of 79, and I won my class in the 6200 modified class, and I won $500. And that's the most I'd ever won before, because usually it was $100 or less. So at that time, uh, a company called Truckorama had sent out the flyers. They they bought our mailing list of the tri-state truck pullers, and they sent everything out. And they had a pool in St. Louis, Missouri, and first place was $2,500. And that kind of sparkled my eye a little bit, but that was during when the fair was going on. It was already passed, but we got the flyer like when we got home. So the next pool was at Wichita, Kansas, and uh, which is about oh, 180 miles from me. And so I went out there because I was on high after winning the Missouri State Fair. And uh, I pulled out there. Well, before we pulled, I talked to George Carpenter. George worked for Truck and He was a head tech man. And they, they didn't actually have any rules per se like what we did with uh, Tri-State Truck Pullers. So before the polls came that night, George and I sat down and, and they adopted our rules that we had with Tri-State. And so later that night, I pulled and I broke rear axle, so I didn't win anything. But I uh, I told these people, you know, I said, I enjoy pulling and I'd like to travel a little bit. And they, I don't, I'm trying to think where the next pool was at, but I was ready for it and I placed good in it. And, um, you know, I, I think I've gotten $2,000 or something like that. That was quite a bit more than 500 or 100 that I'd ever had before. So the uh, Truckorama people at that time, of what it was called later to be called SRO promotion, um, I talked to them. And I told him, you know, I said, I'd, I'd like to travel with you. You know, I'm a farmer, but in, in times when I can get away, I want to go. So uh, they said, well, if you be there, we'll give you show-up money and guarantee against against the winning. So that was that sounded pretty good to me. I think the next place we pulled was in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was an indoor pool. The shortest track I ever pulled on in my life is 160 feet. And uh, it wasn't even hard enough time to get cranked up before you're already at the end. But um, it there, it there, and Tony Vaccaro and Bob George, they were, they they liked what I had. And they said, if you're wanting to travel, you know, we're going to put a lot of pools on this, this year and, and so on and so on. So anyway, I pulled with them the rest of the year maybe four or five more pulls. And then uh, when we start out in January, uh, I was at Omaha, Nebraska, and I, Bob George, was he was the main man with, with Truckorama or SRO. And I told Bob I wanted to talk to him about building another truck. So we sat down and visited, and I said I want to build a two-engine truck. So he said, well, you've been around pulling a while. You build a truck, and we'd make a rule book around what you got. And I said, well, that sounds pretty good to me. 
So as as the summer progressed, um, I, I was working on it between my farming and stuff, but I was still pulling my modified truck with them. And of course, they were, of course, you know, when are you going to get done? When are you going to get done? Well, I didn't actually get done with that until uh, uh, January of 1980, yeah, 1981, 80. I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, I went to uh, Chicago, Illinois at uh, Rosemont Horizon, yep. make my debut with my first two-engine truck. And I was, I always get very excited before a pull, but I was really excited about this deal. And uh, so I pulled and the suspension wasn't good enough and it bounced. So I had to let off of it. And so I said, well, I've got to take it back home because of the, the extra weight of the mo two motors, one of them out front of the axle and everything else, trying to get my balance right. So I redid my suspension. And after that, I think in maybe another two weeks later, uh, I opened it and it made a smooth run because I had the suspension right. So that was all good. And they, they liked what they saw with me and, and um, so we started traveling, uh, mainly in the first quarter and the third quarter and a little bit in the fourth, but the year, which was good for me, they didn't do anything. So I had time to take care of my farm. I, I was going to ask you, it sounds like you, you know, <clears throat> truck particularly being, you know, basically using the same tires you'd find on a two wheel drive truck front and back. I wondered how long it took you to get it to actually kind of behave, and it sounds like you might have gotten gotten on top of it real early. I did after that after that first pull. Um, I, there were some other guys there in the, in Chicago that had super modified pickups, which I used to have also. I kind of skipped over that, but uh, I watched them pull. And in the early days, I always I did as much watching as I did pulling because if someone had problems i was trying to figure out why in the same way you know to help myself and uh, this one guy had uh, uh, more of a kind of floating type suspension and i kind of copied his a little bit and put it in my truck and it, it ran good and and from that day on i had the same thing and it's always worked pretty smooth i very seldom ever had any problem with it jumping or anything like that like i did before but that's a good my, thing you get, yeah it's a good good to figure that out early and save yourself from a lot of busted parts yeah yeah well in that state i had the right suspension but i didn't have the right differentials under my truck i started breaking the right front axle every time i pull because the torque of the motors to the right and uh, so i put the load on there and then the, the left front tire you know it's got to do all the work and it, it don't work that way. So after that year, I went through that one year with the truck with breaking axles. I didn't break every time, but I did some. So I, I found a, a rubber tire loader and the old style that used to steer in the rear instead of articulate like the later models were. And I got those rear, 
rear end axles and I put them under my truck and I had to machine the uh, the brakes and the outer uh, bolt pattern off of it so I get a uh, 16 inch wheel over the top of them and uh, take the brakes off and try, I tried to lighten it up as much as good so it didn't add a lot of weight to my truck and uh, so I got all, I had friends here in town and machinists that did a lot of work for me doing that and so I get my wheel bolted on and everything was good and uh, from that point on I never broke an axle and never broke a drive shaft and uh, that those planetary axles is what saved everything the only thing bad is it creates drive shaft speed because when I pull the the drive shafts turn faster than my motor do. Okay, yep. But, there, you know, RPM doesn't hurt like torque does as far as a load's concerned. Right. What did your truck weigh uh, ready to run? Uh, 6,500 pounds. That's what it weighed. Really? Today. Wow. Yeah. I would have thought it'd be a lot heavier than that. That's impressive. Well, whenever I, uh, uh, I put those planetary axles under it, my truck i gained 400 pounds and then i found 400 pounds to take off of so i didn't really i, I didn't actually weigh 6500 before but i still stayed in that same area it just that's impressive to me it looks like there's so much more there than than 6500 pounds yeah well the the cab was aluminum kenworth cab was aluminum and, and uh, you know the cab didn't weigh anything the sleeper didn't weigh anything just the frame and the running gears yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah. What motor were you running in them at those that that time? Well, when I first ran, I I kind of skipped over my super modified truck. I only ran it for two years, but it uh, a super modified truck had one uh, supercharged Hemi in it, and of course I took that motor out and retired that that truck, and uh, and then I bought another Hemi to hook up to it. So they were basically, oh, uh, they were pretty much 426 Hemi at that time. I had didn't actually add anything to them, but just the idea that they had blowers on them and they were iron block motors. And um, so, uh, but they were tough, but I need something tougher to get me a longevity because I know that, that the old block and the heads and everything else wouldn't stand a, a lot of extra stuff. So I I had those for that oh the start of that year, and then I I bought two aluminum motors, and I think they were 491 motors, uh, cubic inches, and I had uh, 1071 superchargers on them, and they were I'd say they were like 1500 horse apiece at that time. And then I got it bigger. I went to 540 cubic inches and uh, 1071 blowers. And actually, uh, the, these last ones, those were 10s, the last ones were 1471 high helix. So they put a lot more air in there, and I didn't have to turn them as hard as I did the smaller blowers. As, as, as time goes on and, and people start getting an awareness of this thing, too, you do want the reliability in there because – People are expecting to see it. They're they're coming to this big arena show and and want to see this thing run. Yeah, but when I first when I first made it, I called it the little KW. Yep. 
Bob George told me, he said, we cannot advertise little. So he said, you're going to call it the boss. And I said, okay, you're the man. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> but that's what it was uh, the first year that I had it. It was called Little KW. And then uh, uh, Kenworth didn't like that very good. So I had to take the word Ken, or KW off of it. Uh, but anyway, then I, it just became the boss for uh, quite a few years until uh, 1986 when I got with Anheuser-Busch and then uh, it was called Budweiser Boss after that. What uh, what prompted the switch over to the Ford Aeromax? Well, uh, a little young man that was son of the guy that worked for Ford at Light Truck uh, he were, we were in St. Louis, and uh, I pulled there, and this gentleman's name was Les Day, and uh, we stayed friends from that day on. But I'd always tried to send uh, uh, something to him to see if they'd be interested in a Ford, to be interested in changing my truck to a Ford. Well, I, uh, I wasn't very successful, but... Anyway, uh, they're back to St. Louis, and uh, this young man asked his dad, which was less day, he said, Dad, how come Gary's truck's not a Ford? He said, well, you know, I never thought about that. But he said, we'll see if we can do something about it. So after that pool was over, and this boy was eight years old when they were talking to his dad, same age as my son at that time. And when I got home, St. Louis is only 300 miles from me, but the next day, uh, Les Day called me, and he said, I want you to come to Detroit, and I want to introduce you to Ford Heavy Truck Operation. So I said, okay, I'll be there. A couple of days later, I flew up there and met with Les, and then he took me up, I think it was the fifth floor there in the Renaissance Center where Heavy Truck was at, Ford Heavy Truck, and I went up there and sat down with the uh, those people there and uh, I just lost the guy's name that I first talked to Ken Havoc Ken and I became good friends and he um, he liked what I had and since Ford Light Truck was a, a sponsor of the event and Budweiser was a sponsor of the event that all kind of fell in place so whenever they had the brochures to hand out to people when they first came in. <clears throat> Before I got with Ford, it had my Kenworth truck on the top and Bigfoot's truck on the bottom, Ford and Budweiser. And then, after I changed over to Ford, it still had the same, but it was a Ford Budweiser boss, and then Bigfoot and I were on the same brochure. Uh, Bob Tanner and I have been friends since 1975, I think, but, and still are. But that that's how I got working with Ford, and then Ford and Budweiser together, it was kind of a double whammy, and uh, I mean, I couldn't ask for any better two sponsors, and it, it lasted for 10 years till Ford sold out to Mercedes back in 97, uh, but I kept it at the Ford, for quite a while after that, and I still, I still um, 
triple with the Azacord until uh, 2010, and I changed the body back to Kenworth with uh, a different body, but it's still a Kenworth body like it was before. And uh, ended up with as Kenworth. I started that way, so I wanted to end up that way. Ford was good to me for 10 years, and then, and, and of course, whenever someone buys somebody else out, well, you kind of fade away. Yep, it does tend to happen. Yeah. I'm going to play a clip real quick. You obviously won't be able to see <laughs> this, but um, after I play it, I want to ask you about this, and I'm sure you probably know what's coming um, with this because I want to find out if, if it was spur of the moment or was this planned. We get no sound, Charles. I can't hear it. Well, it's it's the run where you took the sled around the corner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got I got a thing. My buddy Mike Galloway, he was an announcer and best announcer you'll ever have, uh, and he pumped me up all the time. But uh, I did that. Well, my first time I did it, I was in Houston at the Astrodome, and then I did it in the Pontiac Silverdome twice. Uh, seemed like I did one other time. Oh, in the Superdome down in New Orleans. But it's kind of hard on pieces of parts whenever you let off the blowers and get back on them. But I made it. Welcome <laughs> to Anaheim, California. That's where the other place was at, yeah. I think for a lot of those back in those days, a lot of times you were hooking to the, the Ellen bomb sleds. Did, did you give those guys a warning or did you just take them for a ride? Well, the Ellen bomb brothers were the best guys that ever hooked a sled. I, uh, I couldn't go fast enough for them. And, uh, uh, a lot of sled operators didn't like that because they said, well, you're out of control. But with Ellen bomb guys, they knew what I was going to do, and I knew what they were going to do, so we never had a problem. But uh, some of the earlier sleds, when I first built my truck, they said, you don't know how fast you go down the track. And I said, well, hang on. <laughs> but I was, uh, oh, I mean, mid-90s, I was up at the, the Buck in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I we pulled in the afternoon, and then, in right after lunch and then go pull that night and the city police were there with radar gun and uh, the modified trucks which would be a naturally aspirated four-wheel drive pickup they were running 17 18 mile an hour and if they usually made over 18 they would make a full pull and in a which was great so when i pulled uh, in the afternoon, you had a gun on me, and I was pulling, I was running 45 mile an hour. Oof. Wow. And How fast? 45. Holy crap. No wonder yeah. he told, you to, told him to hung, hang on. <laughs> and it, it, it's a terrible feeling when you can feel that sled kind of whipping on your ass a little bit. <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> that night when I pulled, basically, at the same speed but you know 
these little yellow grasshoppers that hit your windshield once in a while. Yep. I had one of them hit me right in front of my face. I scared me to death. I thought I'd blow the motors up. <laughs> that night in Lancaster. But the city cop said I'd run 45 miles an hour. Man. And they didn't have race sleds back then. That's That was cooking. <laughs> right. I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't I don't think Elmont had a sled there. But uh, uh, one of my friends, that he used to truck, truck and track school, uh, Mike Hoff, uh, yep. he, he had bought that uh, grounds, and he was putting monster truck stuff on, truck and tractor pull, mud marathon, something different every week. And I haven't talked to Mike for probably 10 years. I don't know if he still has it in operation or not. As far as I know, the buck is still there, but um, I want to say I saw something that Mike had passed away recently. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mike had a he had a three inch tractor he pulled with hemis in them, and then in uh, whenever I had a funny car two wheel drive puller and he had one too. Called, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, when he retired, that I bought the rear axle from him, or actually the frame and the rear axle, and then I had a thirty three four Victoria that I pulled two wheel drive, and. Oh. Um, I forgot so, about that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah but I, uh, Mike and I were good friends. I sure hope he had passed away. But you know, some of us guys are starting to get old. <laughs> <laughs> did Did anything ever come up with, you know, like, essentially a, a competitor or an adversary for the boss, or did that that just stood head and shoulders above on its own? Well, back when I started. Uh, in the second year, <clears throat> there were seven different. They called we call it super, super, mod, not not super modified, super ex, experimental, whatever that is, class. And there were seven of us at one time. Okay. And I only saw most of them once, but there was a guy out in California. He had a um, like a thirty-six Chevy. Had two Rodec motors in it, and um, there's another guy out there that had a a three quarter ton GMC pulling truck, and he had an Allison aircraft motor in it, and he sat in the bed of the truck. I don't remember that one. Wow. (laughs) I only saw him one time. That's probably why I don't remember him. His steering was screwed up, and his front tire just went back and forth, back and forth. He couldn't control it, but and apparently he'd never hooked a sled before because it, it didn't do any good. And the guy that that had the uh, two-engine Rodex uh, 30, 36 Chevy, I think, it was called the Falcon. And I think it's still in existence. I don't know that they still run it or not, but. Um, he had trouble with his suspension too, and it make it jump. And and uh, I I think I probably told maybe a dozen times when he was in the same you know same uh, pull. But he seemed he always had problems with his truck bouncing or something with the motors. Uh, Alan Gaines had a <coughs> he had a twin screw uh, that was his four wheel drive and stood like front and back and 
he pulled some that away too. And I was trying to think, uh, Max Smith out of Preston, uh, Iowa, he had a Jeep that he had for a couple of times and that he, he'd give up on it. But most of them, they, they quit. So that just put me in the extra, you know, experience. You know, just to pull for for uh, power, and instead of running the competition. But I did that for quite a few years until, well, SRO got sold out in 1993, and uh, all all the indoor truck and tractor pulling pretty well ceased at that time. Kevin James sent us a question. He's asking if Bud Jasky ran the Express against you. Yes, he did. <clears throat> In fact, uh, uh, <clears throat> Bud and I have been friends a long time because he ran modified class when I did too. And uh, Bud always ran Aries motors, and he's modified, and he had it in that uh, Express too. But um, he had he had problems with his suspension also. And I don't know that I ever did get to see him make a good pull because it always wanted to bounce with him. And that one, if I remember right, Gary, that one had it had big tires in the back like you, but the fronts were the smaller, you know, four wheel drive size. Yeah. 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 He, he had matched the, the drive axles up so they, they were full the same. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I was like, but I, I used to see, I went to the Mid America Truck Show in Louisville, Kentucky for 30 years, and Bud didn't live too far. Well, he lived in Wisconsin, but it wasn't all that far. And it, his wife had a, uh, trucking company, so they were usually always there, and, and Bud would always come around and see me, or I'd see him on walking around. But they they ended up putting that in two wheel drive instead of four wheel drive, and then it ran a lot better. But he had he had some kind of problem, so it just never did go right. When you were doing a lot of the, the the heart of the indoor type seasons, what was a typical week like for you? Um, during that. What do you mean by my week? Uh, as far as like a schedule, you know, did, did you have one event for the week that you had to get to or, or multiples that you had to, had to try and travel and do your maintenance all at the same time? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, in the, the latter part of SRO, they were running like five events on a weekend, different parts of the United States. And my longest ride was from uh, uh, San Diego. I pulled there, and then I pulled in uh, Anaheim, California. And then I went from there to uh, Upper Marlboro uh, there in, uh, I don't guess that, I think that's in New York. I can't remember wow. for sure. But about 3,300 miles across the United States. But I went home and hugged my wife and kissed my kids and went on down the road. Uh, normally it wasn't everything like that, but they uh, we'd run. Well, I think the most I'd ever did like 21 hooks or 20 bents uh, per year there for quite a few years. And uh, but we'd run a lot in the first quarter, and then in the, some in the third quarter, and a little bit in the fourth quarter. But usually this, the second quarter there was very little SRO would do anything at that time. Gotcha. There, their theory was like when we'd go up in the, in the northeast in the wintertime, I was always scared to death that I'd get caught in a 20 foot snow drift up there, but I never did. Uh, but 
was entertainment to them. And we want to entertain people. So in the Northeast, we go up there and pull indoors. People want to go, go see events, but they want to be comfortable when they did. So in indoor arenas, that was the way it happened. And we went to Tucson and Phoenix, Arizona in August when it's hot as blazes there. And you don't lay a wrench down on the asphalt when you pick it up and later it burn your hand. <laughs> but, you know, that was that was entertainment for them, but it was pulling for us. And it, it worked good because, I mean, the, very, very seldom you ever had a short crowd. There was always, you know, the stadium was always packed, but Anaheim had 60,000 people there every time we were there. And uh, Pontiac Silverdome had their best deal with 74,000 people there. And in all those big domes and stadiums, they always filled them up. And uh, uh, that, I had a little story about the Silverdome. Whenever uh, we pulled there in 84, they, they usually got security by how many advanced tickets that sold. And they were anticipating 20,000 people. They had security for 20,000 people. And of course, the old silver domes, no more. There was a wall around the outside of, you know, like what was the football field. And um, anyway, after the pool got started, and uh, some got a jumped over the wall down on the floor. And we had our vehicles back up against the wall, and the track was right in the middle of the stadium. And after one guy jumped over the wall, 10,000 people jumped over the wall. <laughs> and I've got a picture of it somewhere. All you can see is the track down the middle, and you can't hardly see our vehicle. And they didn't have security enough to main, you know, to keep people off the floor. And later they would stop the events and you people, you got to get back. You're going to get hurt. And our vehicles were back against the wall. We were probably 30 feet away from the track. We couldn't get to it because people were in front of us. So the security would back them up so we could get out and then have to back them up so we could get back in again. It was impossible, but, you know, they were happy because they had 74,000 people there. <laughs> I think I've seen photos someone took from way up in the rafters. Yeah, yeah. Of that. Yeah. People everywhere. Yeah, but I love the Silver Dome. In fact, I've got two seats out of that when they tore it down. I had a friend that was working on construction to tear it down, and he saved me two seats out of it. Oh, that's cool. It's a, cool. It's a Amazon warehouse now is what's there. Is it? Yeah, it's about 20 minutes from me here. Yeah, they filled it all back up. Yep, uh, it's you'd never really to go over there. You'd never know it ever existed, really. Really, that's sad. Yeah, it was such a great place. But when they made that dome downtown uh, Detroit, um, they just quit using it. But I don't know. Like I said, in '93, uh, after Charlie Mancuso stopped all the indoor pulling pretty well shut my career down too but i i still pulled after that but nothing like i did before right what led to that what what was the change because it seemed like it was a huge thing and then and suddenly it wasn't well like i said we every place would go you know you basically take the same show a different town go back again next year and then people come too <clears throat> and 
it was a win-win deal for us and for them. And whenever SRO sold out and Charlie Mancuso got charged of it, we're paying them pullers too much money. We're going to get some cheap monster trucks in here and quads and run. We're going to make more money. And uh, so, it, I mean, it shut a lot of people down, including me, but I still I still pulled, but I didn't pull like, you know, 20 events a year. Right. Maybe maybe it's six or seven the most. But I went, I, I, uh, I sent a, I got a master list for all the Budweiser distributors and all the Ford dealers, and I sent flyers out to them, and they would use me for events where it was a truck pull or where it was, you know, something else going on. They'd use my truck for that. Yeah, my promotional tool. Right. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, and it worked good. I, I mean, uh, I pulled in Stockton, California, and met some good people out there and in fact they pull up in Kansas City every year uh, in February and I always go up and see them but um, Budweiser took me out there because I sent that flyer out to them and um, they Lodi, California <clears throat> and Stockton are the uh, great capital of the world and um, so I was out there they were having a fair going on and then we pulled the next week later they had a truck pull there Mr. Donnie Reeves. Yes. <laughs> I kind of figured that's who you were talking about. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he helped put on the, uh, the pull there in, uh, in Lodi, and, and uh, we become friends after that because we stayed there an extra week because of the, the fair was over and the pull wasn't until the week after. But, yeah, he pulls up Kansas City, so I go up there and see him every year. There are a lot of other good pullers out in California. You know, the first year we pulled there in 1982, California always had hot motors, but they didn't have trucks to maintain, you know, to maintain the power. And uh, the first year we pulled out there, they said, we can't compete with these Midwest truck pullers. So the next year we went out there and they had a California class and a Midwest class. <laughs> And then the, the next year after that, everyone pulled together again because they finally kind of caught up. Yeah, we've been we've been fortunate enough to to befriend a few people out there, and it it doesn't get, I guess, the coverage you'd, you'd expect. But um, there's there's some good pullers and some really fun people that that are part of this sport out in California. Hundred percent. Yeah, we had you know hot rods always started in California and kind of spread to the to the Midwest, but they had they had motors, but they just didn't have the truck to to make it work. But we made some good friends out there the first time, and, and each time we go back. But I, I went to, of course, uh, San Diego used to be, uh, uh, I don't know what the name of that was, but anyway, when the Chargers were down there, we pulled there one weekend, the next weekend we pulled at Anaheim. And I did that, uh, I think, in, in 84. Pulled in San Diego, Anaheim, then we pulled it to Tacoma, Washington, and Seattle, and then I came home. Did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever make any of the trips and, and uh, go pull in Hawaii? No, the guy, the promoter, called me, and uh, their pool was in June, and he had to take your truck to California, put it on the boat, and then 
took two weeks to do that to get it to Hawaii, and then you were out there for a week and then come back. And it was always right in the middle of my wheat harvest, and I never could go, but um, I always wanted to. I thought that would be a good experience, but it just never happened. Yeah. No, I can I can totally appreciate where you're coming from as far as that goes. Yeah, makes sense. It took up too much time. You know, it took a, a month right out of the middle of summer, and I needed to be working here at home, so I just kind of had to pass every time. Yeah. There used to be a promoter that uh, he took some trucks up to uh, Alaska. Um, one of my buddies, Russell Pearson, he had a tractor, and then he had a two-wheel drive turbine puller. <clears throat> I think an S on Chevy, but he went to Hawaii, uh, to Alaska one year, pulled up there, and I I never did hear any more about it other than that just one time deal for him anyway. Gotcha. That'd be cool to say you went to Alaska and pulled. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or to Hawaii. <laughs> well, Hawaii. Cody, too. Have, huh? Cody, have you seen the the photos of uh, the Alaska pulling? No. no, there is a circuit in Alaska. Yeah, see, like still today, and, and I mean it's it's mainly antiques, but they're there. Still, you yeah, you're there, and there's glaciers behind you, and it's pretty legit. It looks cool as all get out. As a camera guy, I feel like my finger wouldn't go like this anymore. <laughs> I feel like it'd be cold. Yeah, wonder what town it's in. Right. I don't remember, Gary. I I have seen the photos, but I cannot for the life of me remember the name of the town. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool. I, I think uh, that back when Russell went up there, that was, wasn't was uh, paved. It was gravel. And uh, from Seattle on up there, that Alaskan Road or what it's called, uh, they had to put uh, chicken wire on the Head of their headlights keep getting the head busted out, and everything else goes. You know, guys, I think it's like eleven hundred miles or something like that of gravel. Yes, that's been it's been uh, well out back in the late eighties whenever Russell went up there. <clears throat> but he told he was talking about. I told him later on, but like I said, he he used to run with us all the time too. He had had a turbine two wheel drive. And uh, he had a turbine track before that. But uh, he's the only one that I knew there went up there. I did find one photo, and the name of the town is Palmer, Alaska. And it's an old school, like, pullback style sled. I mean, it's, it's antiques. It's a little bit primitive, but they're doing it. <laughs> That's good. Yep. That'd be all right. Yeah, there's mountain scenery everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sure so Gary, Domes and Civic Center we pulled in over the years, and you know, of course, most of them domes have been torn down and built another one. But uh, like the King Dome, I always like to be up there with the range in Seattle every day, and and uh, I never did understand why they tore tore a dome down and built an open top stadium, but. So be it. It was their deal. But they built a parking lot right beside the kingdom and tore the kingdom down. Uh, I went up there probably, oh, at least six different times. And uh, I had 
Well, one time I had a, a funny car puller, and I'd always take it up there too. And then later I had my two-wheel drive Vicky. Uh, I took it up there a couple of times too before they, you know, before we, well, before SRO got sold out. <clears throat> How many of your old pullers do you still have? Just the boss or? Yeah, that's all I had. I, I had a little thing called divorce happened back in 02. And I, unfortunately, I kept my truck and my land, but I had to part with a lot of toys. I, uh, I sold my Vicky and I had parted out. The guy that bought it, the association wouldn't let you run the aluminum motors. So I sold the, the body and run gears to him and I sold the motor to somebody else and the transmission to somebody else. <clears throat> And at that time, I was also collecting uh, British motorcycle Triumph. I don't know if you know the name or not. But at that time, I had uh, 50 motorcycles. And I've been collecting them all the United States because of um, my travels. And I'd find them. Or we had a magazine stuff that I could find them on. And, and, and I'd catch them and then I'd bring them back home in my trailer. But they all went away, too. I still got sick left, and that's not hard enough for one guy to have. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, I, I had to sell that Vicky, and I kept my truck. And anyway, about uh, uh, that time, I mean, the pulling stuff it slowed down a lot for me. But I still enjoyed doing displays or exhibitions or whatever. I had I had my truck out last year two times. In the year forty times, but mainly just to fly the colors for a pull that they had going on. We might have to. Uh, we might have to talk about the Pullers Championship. I, I tried around. last year and we couldn't make a deal go. <laughs> well, the worst part, I sold my truck and trailer, so I don't have any way to haul it around. I I borrowed a, a local guy's trailer at low slung because. It, the way my axle set back on it with the motor out front, the bumper out there, uh, it's hard to load on a regular trailer. But with my semi-trailer I had, well, it was, you know, it was easy, no big deal. But um, I, that's what I used to take it all over town of Lamar, Missouri. The last time I had it down here, <clears throat> about 30 miles south of me, they've got a nice place to, they had a nice pool down there. And I have a lot of friends around Lamar, too, so. I hadn't got to see him, and they hadn't got to see my truck either. But I enjoy doing that, but I wish I could pull it. I tell you what, there's nothing like to sit behind 4,000 horsepower, run 45 mile an hour down the track. I imagine not. Yeah. <laughs> Tough to top that. Yeah. My Stefan did ask, do you know Do you know how many states you pulled in? 48. All right. There you go. All the Providence in Canada except Manitoba. I don't. I don't imagine there's a very long list of guys who could ever say that. <laughs> I don't know. Andy. No. Yeah. Yeah. SRO pulled up in Canada some, but uh, there's another promoter that um, uh, we pulled up in Nova Scotia and uh, New Brunswick. And then I pulled SRO in uh, British Columbia, and another promoter in the other other one, but not, I never did get to Manitoba. That's still that's still a pretty 
pretty impressive run, I got to say. My son used to go with me as much as he could in, in the summertime. <clears throat> and he told me when he was a freshman high school, he said, Dad, I've been in 27 states. And I said, there are a lot of kids in your class that haven't been out of state of Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> but he he liked to go with me, and, and uh, he just lives about a mile away from me right now. So we work together with, on my farm stuff. But I just raise cattle and bale hay. That's all I, I don't row crop anymore. Machinery got a little too high for me because I only had 500 acres of row crop, and you can't afford to give half a million dollars for a combine for 500 acres. Yeah. I can see that. I enjoy my cows and my hay, and uh, that works good for me. Tim Wolf asked, did you ever pull at uh, Richfield Coliseum in Cleveland? What was the name of it? Uh, Richfield Coliseum. Mm, I don't remember. don't remember. I'd, you, if you've pulled in 48 states, I'm sure you've forgotten a whole bunch of them. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. He told me earlier today he's even pulled in Madison Square Garden. That's right. I did yeah. on fourth floor. That was, yeah. a that was a time when the sport really was on, on its ascendancy, when you could get tractor pulling going on in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Yeah, that ramp went from the ground all the way, spiral ramp all the way up to the fourth floor. I don't know why it actually they do there. I think it's a basketball court or a hockey rink or something. I don't know. But, but um, yeah, it was <laughs> one time is all I ever was up there. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, pretty interesting career you've, you've had. Yeah, I'd like to do it all over again, but it won't happen. And it's got to be a big money game now. You know, like Donnie Reeves told me, that motor that he's got, like $95,000. And, and money's ring the sport. Yeah, to go from where you where you you know the humble beginnings of uh, pulling for twenty bucks. Um, I the, the bad part is is that now forty five years later, it's not much better in that regard. Yeah, it's, it's sad. That's what was so good for me with SRO or Truckerama when they started. Guys, they pulled their first place for twenty five hundred dollars, and usually had a two or three day pull. <coughs> And I had that modified truck and then the super modified truck that I only had for two years. And I take them two trucks out and I probably didn't have over ten thousand dollars in both of them together. And and bring home five thousand dollars every weekend. Yep. I, I like that. Yeah, that math works. Yeah, that that, that works any way you slice it. <laughs> yeah. I used to tell people I, I farm so I could truck pull and then I truck pull then later so I could keep farming. Farmers, <laughs> a lot, a lot of, a lot of in the eighties, a lot of farmers went broke. Yes, but I had sure. quite back to help me then, and that got me through. But yeah, I, like I said, uh, forty-five years of good, good part of my life, and um, I sure like to do it all over again. I just. Just doing like the, down Lamar, Missouri, just flying the colors down there, just driving my truck on and off. I mean, 
my adrenaline was still flowing, but it wasn't flowing nothing like when I took this lead. Yep, it's a, it's a, it's a rush, it's a yeah. rush. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I go, you know, when we were doing over twenty one deals a year, I usually take a, a roll of uh, uh, tums to start with, maybe shot Pepto Bismol before, <laughs> and then maybe half a half a roll after I got through. <laughs> <laughs> It's just amazing what you know what power like that does to you. I still got some buddies that uh, tractor pull and truck pull both down uh, over here about forty miles east of me, uh, town of Wheatland, Missouri, where uh, uh, Lucas in a two hundred population town built a seven thousand seat stadium <laughs> and. Uh, they, they pull over there in, in September, and I usually go over and see some of those guys that I used to run with. They're, they're still pulling. Bill Asher is a good friend of mine. He's got a four-engine tractor. And uh, uh, Gerald Amons, he's got a he's got a full-drive pulling truck. And, but Bill, Bill used to go about everywhere I was at, you know, when he could. And uh, he, always, he was always competitive. I enjoy seeing my old friends that I don't get to see all the time like I once did. Yeah, that's almost the bigger piece of it, really, is you know a lot of time together with, with people in a, in a common pursuit, and you forge some pretty strong friendships, and it's kind of kind of a bummer when you go months and don't get to see each other in person. <laughs> yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, but I feel like I could drive across the United States, and somewhere in that state, you know, I've got a friend. Yeah, uh, you know, people get older and pass away and move on, don't do anything. But once in a while, I'll run across somebody that I haven't seen for thirty years, and it's kind of like getting having a class reunion. But you know, I pulled in, I pulled in Montana and Wyoming, and uh, just one time, but I was there. That's what counts. Well, we're closing in on an hour with you. Um, any any questions or thoughts for uh, for Gary Collins? Get them in the in the chat, or conversely, any of you guys, uh, Cody, Ryan, Doug. Fire away. So back in the day, Gary, what was the the top payout? You know, at the peak of things compared to today. Well, as an exhibition vehicle, you know, I got paid per save where I was going. But uh, competition-wise, you know, at $2,500 was probably the, the top deal for the competitors, uh, you know, for the modified class or for the tractor class. <clears throat> they may have got show-up money or a guarantee against the winnings, but, you know, after I got doing exhibition all the time, I just, you know, how far was away from me, um, how much money I got. My dad always told me when he was alive, Son, you're wasting money. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm dead, but I enjoy what I'm doing. And I said, I make pretty good money. Anyway, I was up to the kingdom in Seattle when I got back. And he said, how'd you get along? I laid $10,000 on the table. And he said, well, what do you think? <laughs> he didn't ask me again. <laughs> I'll bet he didn't. No. no. <laughs> yeah. But that was a good thing about SRO. They always paid in cash. 
and uh, but you know I, I did good and I was I was happy with what I was doing and made good money doing it and enjoyed it. That's what that's what the main point pulling is having fun and enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, it's it was always good to come home, but it sure was good to get ready to hook on this sled. Yeah. I didn't have to, after I put those planetary axles under my truck, I never did have any problem uh, with <clears throat> running gears or suspension or anything like that. But uh, I did uh, launch the motor in St. Louis one time. And uh, I don't remember if I did any other time or not. They were pretty good to me. I had a good motor guy out in Orange, California that, that put longevity in my motors. and. I didn't abuse them bad. I usually turned 7,000 RPMs, so it wasn't hurting real bad. But um, I I put uh, oh I guess it probably 10 pulls on them, and then I I, I what I would do <clears throat> I had uh, three motors, and I'd keep a freshman with me all the time, and after so many hooks. I would move the front one to the back and then put a new one in front and move the front one to the back and put a new one in front. So I kept them fresh all the time. And I had uh, some guys that ran semis between here and California all the time. And I put them in the back of their trailer and they'd take them out to my buddy out in California and then uh, return trip, they'd bring them back. So uh, it was easy, easy work that way. Did you have a transmission in that truck where, you know, if you were indoors at some really short venue, you could you could go down a gear, so to speak, and, and account for that or no? Yeah, it was a, it's got a four-speed transmission in it. <clears throat> uh, first gear is direct, and the other three are all overdrive. So I'd use first gear to kind of just move around with, but I usually pull in second, third, and I never did actually ever pull in fourth gear. But, you know... The length of the track and the condition of the track is what I selected my gear ratio by. Gotcha. But it had a prior clutch, and I didn't use a pedal. It was just I had my clutch set up, and it started forward motion at fifteen hundred and locked up at three thousand. So that's okay. the way I was It's not not too far off than what you'd expect. You know what I would have expected as far as the clutch setup goes, then for the for the yeah. power plants, yeah. Yeah, it had five disc, five disc prior in it, and uh, it's still in there. But uh, it it did good for me. I I got uh, when I I pulled that modified truck the first time. Uh, it's a buddy of mine that I I bought that first iron motor from. I said I don't know what kind of clutch, but well, I put a prior on there, you'll like it. So I never did have a pedal. I always did. I I put weights on it, you know, to make it come in a certain way certain rpm and it always worked good so i never did use a pedal it seems like talking to a lot of modified guys even to this day now i mean it's there's kind of a there's a difference of opinion there some guys do use a pedal some don't yeah just what you get used to i guess yeah that's uh that pull up in kansas city that uh, donnie reese goes to up there <clears throat> it's all indoors and they have a 
like a bobcat or something like that, they've got a, a boom one in front of it with a pin sticking up. And whenever, when you, they bring you in to get ready to hook the sled, they uh, put that in there, pick your back end up, and then you just fall around with the front tires. And when you get through, they pull the sled back from you, and they come up behind you, pick it up, and pull you out. That way, you don't fumigate everything, and you're not—you don't have to worry about running your motor. Yep. And I, that was pretty neat the way they did that, because like when you know, back when we used to run modified, and then I'd run or something like that. You drove on and you drove off, and uh, that was one thing about SRO. Whenever you, they point your finger at you, you had one minute to get hooked up, or they jump you back to the next guy. And so they, they didn't want to lag in the show. They wanted a two-hour show, and, and that was it. They didn't want to run full all night long. And it worked good for them. Yeah, there's there's a lot of indoor events for going to that style of taking people in and out, and I think it makes it faster. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of, when I go down that Lucas Bowl down in Wheatland, they got two tracks, and they're still lagging time. They they would they wouldn't last with SRO on their show. <laughs> I mean, they got a lot of vehicle run through. You know, if it takes five minutes between hook, people get you know they get restless that way. Yeah, especially with tracks. You know, you got to keep going. But it worked good for them, and it, I mean, it worked good for me anyway. I hear you. Well, Ryan, I think I'll turn you loose on your your question. All right, Gary. So, if you were to go, if you were to go pulling today, and you could take anything out, anything you want, you want Donnie's truck, you can take it. You want R four one, you can take it. You want a diesel super, you can take it. What would you take pulling, and where would you take it? Well, I kind of got spoiled by my two-engine truck, uh, and being an exhibitionist, that was one thing good about it. I, everyone was my friend. Uh, when you're in competition, you know, don't you look, you know, I may be cheating there. I don't want you to see all this stuff. That was one thing good about what I was doing, but I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if I could, uh, be competitive pulling in competition now after running exhibition for many years. Well, that that's kind of a I don't know question. That's two weeks in a row now. We've actually had a, a different answer than than I expected. Right. Like it. Well, Gary, um, if if nothing further from the rest of the guys, I'll I'll turn you loose for tonight. I really want to say thank you and, and appreciate you uh, taking the time with us. Oh yeah, I'm, I I love to talk about my truck. I I said I I worked with Iowa Haiti Group out of Walcott, Iowa for thirty years, and I'd go up to their big truck show in July, second week in July, and I had made a lot of friends up there by doing that, but. You know, and a lot of guys had never seen my truck before, but they could actually take their picture beside it or something else. And I'd answer the same question over and over all day long. But that's part of it. And I love my truck and love to talk about it. And 
And these guys, you know, man, if I just had something like that, I could go up needles in a heartbeat. But that full tanker behind you too. Anyway, for the fuel efficiency, it was there was the best good, very good, but it did what it needed to do. Ford made a poster for me back, uh, I think it was 92. <clears throat> we were at uh, Ashland, uh, oh, Ashland, Kentucky, yeah, Ashland, Kentucky, at the airport. And it had my semi pointing towards the nose and my pulling truck the other way, Ford, Ford and Ford, Ford semi or pulling truck. And the poster said, seven miles a gallon on the road tractor and 270 gallons per mile on the pulling truck. <laughs> and because it, it took 14 gallons to run 300 feet, so you figure that into 5,280, you come up with 270 gallons per mile. That Boy, fun. that really makes this thing, this whole thing, sound stupid, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ford was good to me, and Budweiser was too. And I wish it never gone away, but it did. Bob Chandler told me years ago, of course, Bob, Bob's still going to his stuff. He said, "Get it while you can, because it may not last." But I thought mine was going to last more than it did. But thanks to Charlie Mancuso, he took he fix that little deal. <laughs> I'll meet that fat SOB one of these days. <laughs> but anyway, such a life. Yep. But it, it was a good ride and I'm sure glad I did it and I wish I could do it all again. We'll figure something out. We'll get you we'll get you this doing some more again. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to let you uh, let you go for the evening, sir, and we'll Thank wrap you, Gary. Up. All right. I appreciate talking to all of you. And, uh, I love what I did, and I love my truck. And I'm actually trying to put it in a museum, but I had I had a few guys talk to me about it, but they didn't think it was worth very much. So I'm still got it. But that's what that's my goal. So I can see it once in a while if I want to. Yeah. Right now, I can walk down my shop and see it sitting there. And uh, but it'd be nice because a lot of people in this area and all over the United States have seen my truck, and uh, they always like to take pictures. Besides, well, I didn't think I'd ever get to see it up close, you know. But I don't know if it ever happened or not. But if not, I'll I'll have it right here with me. It would be a fitting thing for it. I I'll agree. Yeah. yeah. I I've got some fans that say Bass Pro in Springfield, Missouri, and I, they've got a motorsport section in their Bass Pro and I've tried to work with them a little bit to see if I can get it in but I just haven't got a hold of the right people yet. Yeah, find that's that's the key to it, finding the right person. Yeah. We got a guy in, in Minnesota that that wanted it but he's got his own museum a private collection and uh, he offered me a little money but not enough. But he said I want it for trade material and I said, Well I want to be able to see it sometime but well, if I treated somebody else, maybe you can, but <clears throat> that's been two years ago, and I haven't heard from him since. kind of feel like I might know then who that might be. <laughs> We're not going to say it here. Yeah, I would imagine I probably know the name, too. Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember what his name is. I got his number, but after they told me that, well, I, I never called him back. 
uh, he's supposedly got, you know, like 50 different vehicles in his museum and all kind of one of a kind. And that's what mine is, one of a kind, because, you know, they're just one in the other. I mean, not, not, nothing that looked like mine or compared to mine. And it been has done as much as my truck has done over its life. Right. No, I think yours yours is about at the pinnacle of that those exhibition vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. I used the same running gears uh, after I got everything lined out back in '83, and I just changed the body on it because uh, when I it was Kenworth, and then I went to Ford, and I had two or three different Ford bodies on it, and then went back to Kenworth. But I always used the same running gears because it worked good, and I didn't want to change it. No, no, don't mess with what's working. Right. Yeah. Well, if anything else I can do for you, I'll be more than happy. Excellent. You know, we'll, we'll maybe try to do this again sometime when we can get all the technical stuff figured out, too. <laughs> <laughs> That'd yep. be good. Don't, don't count on me helping you on that. <laughs> well, if we, if we can plan ahead for it, we'll figure something out. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank all you, right, Gary. Gary. Have a good night. All right. Thanks to all of you. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. All right. Well, that was cool. Getting to hear the story behind something that I certainly – I don't know that I ever got to see him. You know, I went to Silverdome several times. I don't remember that I ever got to see him actually pull it, but certainly knew about it and what it was and what it represented to the sport. 45 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. I want yeah, those old sleds. <clears throat> We had a 38 mile an hour mini rod run Friday night. Did you? Oof. Yeah. On, a, on that um, squirrely sled, you know, that was kind of scary watching, but it was Chris. You, mean you, didn't, you didn't volunteer to run that for a class, Doug? No. <laughs> well, they had a good show down there, really. Once got the track right. And- the plumber's nightmare on Saturday night. Chandler's got the video just about ready to go. He actually broke the tire loose and spun the rim in the tire. Wow. Tore all the screws. It melted the bead. It melted the rim. It was made a mess. But hmm. Did I read something that he had just changed something in that tractor too? Did he put like he put new clutches or something in? I'm not sure. We didn't have a lot of time. We got down there Thursday afternoon and and worked on the track Thursday night. And then we started pulling. We had rain on Friday morning and didn't get started till about two. And then went right into the evening session. And then Saturday we started again at, at one o'clock. So I didn't get to walk around a lot. I was kind of watching what was going on, on the track, but. Cool. Well, it's the calm before the storm. Farm show next week. Um, as such, for us on Thursday night with the power ranking show, we're going back to the top. We're going to redo pro stock for next week. And um, I'm going to go find my old list and see if there's anything I would change about it. Probably, probably there's a few people who think I should because I certainly heard about it. <laughs> yeah. But that's part of the fun of doing this, too. Well, any final thoughts from the three of you? I don't think so. I'm ready for bed. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> Same. Yeah. All, All right. right, guys. Going once, going twice. Sold. Be safe, everybody. Stick See you next week. See you later, yeah. guys.